So remember back when you were little? Remember that? Remember when you had a really tiny little arm? It was like this big. Remember? I mean, right? You were there. Don't you remember when you had a tiny arm and a tiny hand and a tiny leg and a tiny foot and a tiny smile? And remember when you were so cute and so tiny and then you grew up and now you look like that and it's not tiny and not cute because things tend to go tiny and then they grow into something significant. I remember when I had my first son, someone said to me, hey, you know, you should put $5 in a bank account for him every month because when he becomes 18, there'll be money there to help him in his future. And I thought, that's so stupid. What's five bucks gonna do? But he's 18 this year. And that little account has grown into something that's been able to help him. Think about the little decision you make today not to have a second helping for lunch. The little decision you might make to work out today or to not smoke, or to not drink. How that little daily decision, when you string those daily decisions together, how you grow healthy and sober. And this is a principle that God has wired into this universe, into each one of our hearts, that small things, that seem insignificant can grow and become something large and significant. It's a character trait of the kingdom of God. And we've been talking a lot as a church family about the kingdom of God over the last year. We've talked about what kingdom faith looks like. Kingdom faith is putting my trust in Jesus and learning that he can replace my sin with peace and forgiveness. And he can give me a kingdom assignment so that I can know what I'm supposed to live for every day. We talked about kingdom money, how everything's been entrusted to us by God. And when we see our resources as His, and we're His managers, instead of thinking everything is mine, and I invest in His kingdom, that's when I find my greatest satisfaction. And we talked about kingdom life, how that when my life is centered on Christ, I walk in loving obedience to Him. And there'll be difficult days. There will be pain, maybe even persecution. And yet God sees everything. And He's with us and rewards us. Today we're going to start talking about kingdom movement. Because this kingdom, the kingdom of God, when you put your trust in Jesus and He changes your life, this kingdom is not intended to stay static or stay here, stay in me, stay in you. But this kingdom is intended by God, designed by God to move. And so we're going to look at a number of Jesus's parables to learn about the kingdom of God. So if you have your Bibles, turn them on to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, we're going to be looking at verses 30 to 32 today. Parables, they're fun, right? Parables are just stories. They're just analogies that Jesus uses to engage our imagination. Jesus wants to use our imagination to reveal to us truths, principles that are timeless and that matter. Jesus, when he walked on earth, some scholars say his captured words include 30% parables. You read your Bible, 30% of Jesus' words, parables, stories, to engage our imagination. 
sort of important ground rule as we look at parables over the next number of weeks. The parables have typically one meaning, one primary meaning. Sometimes we get ourselves sideways because we try to over-spiritualize or think too deeply into every detail of an analogy or a story. And Jesus is like, no, I got one primary meaning for you. Don't overthink this. I'm trying to teach you one important thing. And most of the time, that important thing is something about the character of God, something about who God is. Because Jesus knows that we live in the kingdom of darkness, that we're all stuck in sin and shame, regret and anxiety. And he wants us to use our imagination to picture who God is and his character, to picture ourselves and live in this kingdom that's real and life-changing. So let's jump in. Mark chapter 4, verse 30, Jesus says, What shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It's like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on the earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants. With such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. What shall we say the kingdom of God is like? It's like a mustard seed, small, planted, grows, becomes the largest of garden plants. Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's talking to his disciples in this region called Palestine, where these Jewish people are under the Roman government, the heavy hand of an occupying force comes into your land and starts exacting taxes from you. You have no say about what's going on. You have no idea if a Roman soldier one day will come into your house and turn everything upside down and completely destroy your life. Jesus knows this context, and he starts walking around the region and says, the kingdom of God is here. And he talks to them about what life in the kingdom of God is like. Because everybody wants to know, right? When Jesus is describing this kingdom, Jesus, tell us, what's it going to be like? When is my bad day going to end? When is my stress going to go away? When are the Roman soldiers going to go away? When are things going to be better? Jesus, when is the kingdom of light and love going to descend and replace this darkness? When are you going to fix everything, Jesus? Isn't that the same thing we want to know as well? Jesus, when are you going to fix it? When are you going to make life better for me? When is the cancer going to go away, the stress going to go away? When are the relational problems and the financial issues going to be over and you're going to bring peace and love and joy? When are you going to change things, Jesus? And he answers them in a parable to explain how the kingdom of God works. He says the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. Now, to you and me, we go, what? But to his audience, these were all agrarian people that grew their own food. No Whole Foods, Costco. They have to grow everything. So they're familiar with seeds. When was the last time you held a seed? Right? So this is kind of a little bit far. So I brought some mustard seeds. I got them. See them? See how small they are? Feel them? See how small they are? Tiny, tiny. Jesus says the kingdom of God is like these mustard seeds. They are small and insignificant. But Jesus says you plant these seeds in the ground 
and they grow. And what's interesting, we don't know this, but because we're not agrarian, we're not farmers, but when you plant these mustard seeds in the ground, they germinate and grow really fast. In one growing season, these little mustard seeds grow into a plant that could be six, eight, 10, 12 feet tall in your little garden. In one season, it springs up and becomes this plant that can give shade and birds can come and perch. I mean, this is what Jesus' point is. God's kingdom starts so small. It seems so insignificant, but grows large and life-changing. The kingdom of God may seem too small and too insignificant to help you with your problems, help you with your finances, help you with your sin, your shame. The kingdom of God seems like so insignificant to help you in your divorce or your relationship or your addiction or your struggle. But God says, no, that which is small and seems insignificant can change your life. And the principle starts with Jesus himself. I mean, it'd be easy to look at Jesus and go, what can one Jewish carpenter in 2,000 years ago in Palestine, Palestine do? Well, this Jewish carpenter, this tiny mustard seed called Jesus is planted in the ground after he's crucified, planted in the ground. Three days later, he comes alive again and shows that he really is God and offers forgiveness and hope to the entire world so that people for the last 2,000 years have had their lives turned upside down by this Jesus who is dead and risen again and offers life and peace and forgiveness and changes the lives of anyone who puts their hope in him. And this kingdom of God started with Jesus and now is spread across the entire world, a mustard seed that seems insignificant, but watch how it grows and changes everything in the lives of individuals. I mean, hasn't that been the history of Faith Church? Small beginnings, another way of saying this is small beginnings start large movements. In 1964, when a group of people left downtown Allentown and built this little church in a cornfield, would they have ever been able to imagine what life would be like for us today? There's just no way they could imagine thousands of people have had their lives changed because they built with their own hands a building in a cornfield in Lower Mukunji. Would they ever been able to imagine Yolanda's story, the one we just saw of a woman created in the image of God, abused, mistreated, broken, but she comes into this place, someone holds a door for her, treats her with kindness and respect, and it changes her life forever. Just that little amount of love says, Yolanda, you matter. You are a daughter of the king. Your sins and shame can be removed as far as the east is from the west. This small, small act. Could the founders of Faith Church have ever imagined Yolanda or you? This is how the kingdom of God works. It starts small in us. Seeds of hope, seeds of joy, seeds of truth planted in us, and they begin to grow and change us from the inside out. But the same is true with our entire church family. It doesn't just change us, it changes all of us. One of the things I love about Faith Church 
is that we're not a family that spends all our time looking to the past. We're not a family that looks in the rearview mirror of our church history and goes, look at how great things were in the past. Instead, the leadership of Faith Church has been committed over these 55 years to always keep looking out the front and saying, God, where are you calling us? What do you want us to do? What do we do with this tiny mustard seed called Faith Church and the resources entrusted to us that we could be used to advance your kingdom? This leadership has been committed to praying and prioritizing and asking, God, where do you want us to go? In 2018 and 2019 at Faith Church, God put on our hearts a new vision, a kingdom movement that he is leading. And I shared that with you on Vision Sunday last June, shared the details of where we believe God's leading us in the next four and five years, but I know how you forget. And so we put this video together to show you the kingdom movement we're on the cusp of. Watch this. When Jesus walked on earth, he said over and over and over again, the kingdom of God is here. God set in motion a kingdom movement to rescue people from the kingdom of darkness and give them access to the kingdom of light. We stand on the shoulders of those who have gone before us. We stand on the shoulders of decades of individuals who have not settled for comfort, but sacrificed to ensure that people have access to the kingdom of God here in the valley and around the world. God made himself accessible to us. People have gone before us to make Jesus accessible to you and me. Now it's our turn. Faith Church has incredible worship, has incredible technology, has incredible resources, has incredible programs for teenagers and kids and families and young adults, has incredible opportunities for those who are hopeless and are hurting. This place has so many incredible resources and it would be so easy to think that these resources are for us. It would be easy to think that all that we have is about us and for us when all of this is from God and to God and for God. That all that we have as a church family, that all that's been accomplished over 55 years isn't to bring attention to us, it isn't to advance our brand, it's to bring glory to God and advance His kingdom. You know, this isn't the first time there's been a kingdom movement at Faith Church. In 1964, a group of people left Center City, Allentown, bought a field in the sticks of Lower McCungee on Hamilton Boulevard, and started a church. They prayed and they prioritized and bought a field and built a church so that people would have access 
to the kingdom of God and the kingdom of God spread in the hearts of people. And now today, 2020, thousands of people have come to know Jesus on this cornfield. Thousands of people have learned about their kingdom assignment. Thousands of people have grown in their faith and love for God. Thousands of people have been freed from their hurts and their hangups because those who went before us prayed and prioritized and joined a kingdom movement. This kingdom movement we are on the cusp of stands on the shoulders of those who have gone before us. But the question becomes, will this kingdom movement stop here? Will it stop here? I mean, are you ready? to be challenged, to move beyond your comfort zone. There are people in our community that have no belief. And you might say, well, what can I do to convince someone that there is a God? This kingdom movement will give people access to innovative online truth. There are people within our community that have no time. Everyone's running stretched and stressed to the max. When they come to church, they have to wait in long lines to get on or off our property. Stretched and stressed already, they come to a stressful parking lot. And I can't tell you how many times we've seen they just turn around and leave. This kingdom movement will secure a new access road to Faith Church and add 300 new parking spaces so more people can worship, learn, heal, and grow. Look around, there are people in the valley that have no hope. Marriages are falling apart. Parents are trying to figure out how to parent their kids. The valley is plagued by addiction and suicide, depression and despair. Population growth in the valley has outpaced the number of professionals needed to provide the emotional and mental health care needs. And you might say, well, I, I can't help anyone stuck in despair or depression. This kingdom movement will give hopeless people access to a new counseling center to provide the professional care those stuck in darkness need to discover there is hope and his name is Jesus. There are people in the valley that have no church family. Again, with the population explosion that's taken place in the valley, there are not enough God-glorifying, Christ-centered, Holy Spirit-empowered churches giving the light and the love of Jesus to people. This kingdom movement will give people access to a new faith church site within 25 minutes of this campus so more people can have a family they can call home. And there are people around the world that have zero access to Jesus. There are those in regions and ethnicities that have no relationship with Jesus. They have no ability to bump into anyone else in their ethnicity, in their region that has any idea who Jesus is. They have no Bible translated in their language, absolutely no access to Jesus. This kingdom movement will send a team to serve an unreached people group. They will translate the Bible and they will start a church. When you think of any one or two of these initiatives, 
opening a counseling center, adding some parking spaces, or expanding our online ministry. No problem, we got this. But to do all of these things, all at once, and have it done in the next four years, this is not humanly possible. But that's exactly what God wants us to do. If we have a vision that's bigger than ourselves, and we ask God to do through us what we can't do by ourselves, then a kingdom movement will start. Will you ask God to show you your kingdom move? Because here's the thing, Faith Church is this really comfortable place for you and me. Every week you can drop your kids and teens off at great programs. You have access to countless growth opportunities. Every Sunday you can grab a cup of coffee, you can come into any type of worship service you want to be challenged and encouraged. We could stay comfortable in our Christianity, or we could pray and prioritize to ensure thousands of people have access to Jesus, because Jesus changes everything. We stand on the shoulders of people who've sacrificed so that we could have access to Jesus. What will you do to ensure God's kingdom comes and his will is done on earth as it is in heaven? God is inviting us into something big something bigger than we've ever done before, something not to serve ourselves, not that we get something for it, but he's calling us, inviting this church family into a kingdom movement to give more people, thousands more people, access to hope and Jesus. Because I'm crazy enough to believe, along with our leadership team, that the problems that are happening here at our church here in the valley and around the world, we can actually do something about with God's help. We don't have to put up with traffic and no parking spots. We could do something about that on this campus. We can actually do something about the fact that there are people in the valley that have no desire to step foot in church. We can actually create innovative online truth to engage people, your friends and coworkers, and invite them into the hope of Christ. We can change this. We can look at the depression and the suicide and the addiction of Lehigh Valley and we can say, somebody else fix it. Or as a church family, we can say, no, we have the resources to bring hope and healing and Jesus into the mental health arena so that people can discover hope. We can look at the Lehigh Valley and go, hey, I got a church that's good enough for me. Or we can say, you know what? There are people around the valley that are starving for a family like this and leave this campus and go, we'll start another church, another site somewhere else to reach more people. And it would be so easy as Americans to forget about the fact that there are 3.9 billion people in the world. That even if they woke up and thought, I wanna find God, they would never be able to know the name of Jesus or open a Bible in their language because no one near their region or their ethnicity has any connection to Jesus. There's no Bible, there's no church, it's not even possible. I have enough faith, don't you, to believe we can do something about that. 
We can send a team to translate a Bible, to start a church, to reach a culture with the love and hope of Christ. We can do something about this, but these are huge initiatives. This is so much bigger than you and me, so much bigger than what we can strategize. This is so much bigger than what we can accomplish on our own. It's going to take tons of work and tons of prayer and, yes, tons of money. The initial cost of this kingdom movement is $8 million. That's a lot of money. $8 million above and beyond what we already give for our ministry and our missions and our operations here on this campus, yes, eight million more over the next 24 months. That's a lot of money, and it would be easy to get overwhelmed. It's easy to go like, well, who decided this? I'm not sure if I agree. Who's going to pay for this? How are we going to make this happen? But remember the kingdom principle. Small beginnings start large movements. Small things. This is how God works. He does big things through small, simple, seemingly insignificant decisions that start inside each one of us. So here's what we're going to do over the next few weeks. We're going to keep talking about these kingdom parables that teach us something about God's kingdom. Pastor Brad and I are also going to unpack for you a significant part of this kingdom movement to give you more details about what we're talking about. And all I can ask you to do is prioritize coming to church and say, I want to come and listen and learn and think and hear more with an open heart. And on your way out today, we're giving you this kingdom movement guide. This is a lot of reading for you. Because we know that these kinds of things take detail and planning and information for you to think about. And so your assignment this week is to learn. Your assignment this week is to read. Your assignment this week is to be open to what God might be doing as you start thinking about this kingdom movement. And I want to make sure you're not surprised by anything. Inside your kingdom movement guide is a little card that looks like this. Because there's going to come a day towards the end of March that we're going to ask this church family to make a financial commitment. And you go, hold on to your wallet. Here the preacher goes. But this is the sales pitch. This is all it is. It's ask God, what's your kingdom move? I'm not going to twist your arm, but I'm also not going to be shy to say this is the kingdom move the leaders of Faith Church believe God is calling us to do, and it requires funds. We're not going to twist your arm. We're not going to invoice you. We're not going to sales pitch you. All we're going to say is, would you ask God what your part is? Because I don't know your circumstances and you don't know mine. But if you talk to dad about these things, he guides. He leads. He shows us what our part will be. But there's no pressure. There's no sales pitch. That's it. We're going to make this kingdom vision clear. We're going to ask you to consider it. We're going to teach the Bible and ask you to talk to Dad and say, God, show me what my small part is in this. Because if each one of us takes our small part, together we can do something big and significant. So this week, remember, remember this. God starts big things with small movements 
inside of our hearts. So your biggest homework assignment is pretty simple. God, if I want a kingdom heart, I'm going to talk to you. That's it. Talk to God. Ask him what your part is. But maybe start this way. Maybe this week it's asking God, God, would you remind me what my life was like before I knew Jesus? Would you remind me what it felt like to live in darkness? It's asking God, God, would you show me, remind me of the people that were influential and instrumental in pointing me to you? Remind me of those people that I might be grateful. It's asking God, to put on your heart and mind the faces and names of people you know that are stuck in darkness in your workplace or in your home, in your neighborhood, that you want God to open up their eyes. God, would you show me the names and faces of these people because you love them and I love them. And it's asking God, what's my part in your movement in this world. What's my part? What role can I play? And what's incredible about God is He leads you gently and He guides you. And I don't know what your next steps are. You don't know what my next steps are. But when you talk to Dad, He leads and guides and grows you. And His kingdom will come and His will will be done in your life and in this church and in the valley and around the world. We can be confident that one day God will be surrounded in a celebration of every ethnicity and every generation forever, and we get to be a part of that. God, show me what my part is. Would you pray with me? God, I ask first and foremost that if there's anyone in this room, anyone online that uh, they don't know you yet, Maybe they've come around Faith Church for a long time. Maybe they just started watching online. And they're hearing that there's hope in Jesus. That this Jewish carpenter died and rose again and changed the world with peace and joy and purpose. And all you need is Jesus and the little bit of hope and the little bit of faith that you take into your heart and trust in Him. He will change you. Make your life new. God, for us, those of us who have placed our trust in you and we're your sons and daughters, I pray right now we wouldn't think critically about this movement, that before we ever criticize it, that we would pray, that before we'd ever question, we would talk to you, we would ask you to show us the ways you have changed us through the hope of Christ. That you would give us prayerful hearts to read and to learn, to think and to process, to talk with our family, to begin to pray. This isn't about money. This is about an interaction with you. My greatest desire is that the people of Faith Church would interact with you and that everyone who calls Faith Church home would have a conversation with you and that you would grow our hearts and our faith and our affections for you because everything flows out of that. So start with me. Grow my faith and my love for you this week. I pray this all through Christ our Lord. Amen.